They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that is constantly being accused of being improperly dressed. This is Hysteria 51. If I've said it once, I've said it 1,000 times. I'm the only member of this show that looks good in a Speedo. I just threw up a little in my mouth. Uh, We are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. My name is John Goforth, and alongside to tell the tale of this British badass is none other than Mr. Brent Hand. Uh, Thanks, John. You know, a crazy but verifiably true story tonight, so I'm excited. I'm excited on multiple fronts because of that. It's not just a, could it be? It's a, this is true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's always refreshing when there's a few facts mixed in. It is. Um, although we did get an email the other day that uh, said that we are just shills and that we don't mix any facts in. And that was that was. Uh, if you're in Hysteria Nation, you probably saw it posted. It was. Fun. It was one of my favorite things I've ever read. I sent it to you. I posted <laughs> it. Uh, it turns out the ghost of J.P. Morgan sends me shill checks every week, and, and basic high school first year physics. Uh, is made up crap from us. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part was in, in all the ramblings, they were talking about Bob Lazar. And in, in one of our Bob Lazar episodes, we had pointed out, I'm not saying this makes it not true, but we had pointed out you can verifiably and very easily predict the uh, the um the i suppose the, the characteristics the of how the many electrons next, yeah. next 15 or 20 uh elements well, they have it up to the 172 right now i have on the uh that the one that goes up to 172 they said that periodic table was put out in i think they said 1920 where they were like it'll probably uh element 120 will be kind of when it goes off the rails and then shit's the half-life is so short that it's you know, hard to say. They we're unsure, but they right, had right. they had already told you what everything up to like one seventy two that long ago. So we're like, well, you can figure it out. You stupid lion sacks of shit. You know, yeah, basically, you know, basically, you- there's no way that we would have known that uh, unless the the future prognosticator Bob Lazar was able to uh, shine it down. We get a lot us. of crazy emails and messages and stuff. You know, it was all extra crazy when. We talk about it because we use it on time. Yeah, and yeah my thing, that's true. <laughs> and we get three saying, a week. Just throwing a Hell Mary, H-E-L-L-M-A-R-R-Y. <laughs> and, you know, that actually insulted me the most because it insulted my football sensibilities. <laughs> you <laughs> motherfucker, don't you know what a Hail Mary? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. <laughs> anyway, John. Well, I, I, I digress. I We appreciate the email. Hopefully the person who sent it was, you know, sent, it was sent in some humor and some good fun because that's what we're trying to do here is have some good fun. And, Not and, me, man. I want my shield checks. Uh, yeah, Ghost I, of and, J.P. And Morgan. Pay, <laughs> pay me, yo. Um, but, you know, Brent, the, the, you bring up a good point. The, the topic tonight, there will be facts involved. Mm-hmm. Before we get to it, uh, since the topic does involve weapons... In fact, uh, uh, Mad Jack, uh, who 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 the, is the topic tonight? You read that when you hit play on this podcast, I guess. Um, <laughs> he's, he he was known for bringing a Scottish claymore to battle. 
in World War II. It's part of the reason we like him. And a Scottish claymore is like a two-handed broadsword. It's like a long so, sword, yeah, heavy, yeah, unruly. It, be- <laughs> it begs the question that I thought we needed to get to. If you were going to go to battle in the Middle Ages, uh-huh. and in the Middle Ages, not World War II like this badass, what would have been your armament of choice? Ooh. Like, it, so not like my gun, but something crazy. Well, not like in Middle Ages. So, I mean, oh, okay. I, yeah, 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 yeah. gunpowder existed, but guns weren't prevalent in warfare. Um, it was swords and lances, spears, axes, maces, crossbows, longbows, daggers. Yeah, I mean, no, I or, get or, you. Or, or the long game, you know, a trebuchet or something like that. Oh, you know, okay. So the one that I always think it looks cool, a pole arm and a sword, you put it together, you get a glaive. I think that yeah. was kind of an awesome weapon because some of them almost have like a, a sword's length of blade on the end of a pole as a glaive. You can right. fight from both sides. I think that would have been at least until I died. I would have tried to wield one of those. I dig. I dig the idea. I also think like, wow, how much training would I need to use this? Effectively? Well, same thing with a broadsword and, you know, a, a claymore, you know, you you're trying to lift it up, especially in World War Two. And they've shot you three times. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm overthinking it, but I always think of the glaive as like uh, like not only would I need to know how to defend myself with the the regular sword part and stab with the regular sword part, but I'd also need to learn the other tricks that go with the curve part and use them in. Well, they don't have to have unison. a curve part. It's just like a bow staff with blades on the end. Think of it that way. Oh, well, so so essentially, the uh, you're you're talking about Darth Maul's lightsaber with blades. Yeah, except for way less deadly. See, I go the somehow. other way. I go the other direction. I go lightsaber first, and then oh. <laughs> uh, you know a longbow and stuff like that, or you know are fun crossbows just unless you're standing up on a hill somewhere shooting uh those are hard to to reload back then even now so you know but yeah yeah uh, i so okay so i've got two i've got one i've got one kind of the trusty companion and the other but these could be used in tandem as well these could be used in okay. unison the one that always gets overlooked to me are caltrops so if you don't know what a caltrop is it looks kind of like a cow like a whole rib- bunch of food <laughs> <laughs> hey oh man Sorry. that was that was bad even for this show um the, a caltrop looks kind of like a really spiky thick jack no like, i was just gonna say they're dangerous jacks, jacks. <laughs> yes playing jacks and, for keeps and they are they i mean if you have a serious caltrop it'll go straight through the leather boot you're wearing mm-hmm. it, you know uh, you don't have to be barefoot for it to uh to fuck you up um and man, if you like, like, think about this. If you're, if you're talking about mobile infantry is what you're, that's essentially what you're talking about. You're also talking about cavalry back then. Either one of those horses or humans are going to be seriously delayed by a, Fuck, a, a John, now of- Pete is coming after us. You are a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Kill the horses, so- John, go forth. <laughs> Rape the horses and rode off on the women. <laughs> Jesus. I got PETA mad at me because in this fictitious world I live in that I'm battling someone in the Middle Ages. I'm using. I just read that they're mad at Henry Winkler because he was fishing, catch and release. They're, they're calling for the cancellation of Henry Winkler. So, oh, well, didn't that happen in like 1973? Uh, that, that's when they first went after him because of that whole thing he did to the shark. You don't jump sharks. You don't jump sharks. <laughs> very dangerous with their laser beams and stuff so yeah you gotta know what you're doing we we at PETA uh would like to forcibly 
push back <laughs> on Mr. Winkler and the entire Happy Days crew <laughs> for jumping that poor yeah, shark. Yeah. Or if you're at the uh, Rhode Island PETA, PETA! <laughs> we at PETA! <laughs> I mean, that was a, that was a, you went, you went far for that one. Oh, you're right. I did. All right. Anyway. So Caltrops, I like Caltrops, but then I think that the, the, the basic for me would be a sword. Like there, there's, there's nothing more, um, multi-purpose than a sword in battle, right? It, it, you can, you can, you can be precise with it and slice. Like if someone has actual armor on and, you know, slice into the places where the, the armor's joints, you can be more of a blunt object type of, of fighter if they don't have like, you know, hardcore mail or armor on and just, you know, strike as hard as you can to cleave as large of a hole in them as possible. Um, and then you can use it to defend yourself in a, in a multitude and myriad ways. Um, except I don't I don't believe when you when you see the movies that some dudes like really good with a sword and the arrow men are shooting arrows at them, the archers. Um I don't believe that there were many folks that are going to knock the arrows out of the air with their right. sword. Well, I'm not buying that one. And at the time we're living in, it's like, do you like being socially distanced from people, wearing masks, stabbing people? Maybe, maybe fencing's for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. And then when you inevitably fuck up, uh, you're you can stab yourself with it to bring honor back to your family. So yes, it works yes. perfectly. You can you can fall literally fall on your sword. You're gonna fall. A lot of people are gonna fall before me because everyone knows when I pull up my sword, I, there can be only one. <laughs> Here we are, born to be kings. That's you know, Queen. That's Queen in the Highlander One soundtrack. <laughs> Princes of the universe. The, uh, this this entire conversation reminds me of what was that show on the History Channel? It'd be like samurai versus oh yeah zombie yeah the weapon versus weapon stuff yeah that was actually yeah. a fun show which name is escaping me at this moment in time and of course we don't have google so there's no way we is can look that up deadliest uh, warrior yes deadliest that? warrior that was it you're right okay all right oh, i pulled that out of my ass um you're both wrong the best answer in olden times was a laser cannon <laughs> we're talking about real battles of middle ages not like fucking halo so am i they had them I should know. I was the supplier. <laughs> wait, wait. So I just want to make sure I understand. You were a gun runner in the Middle Ages that had access to futuristic tech. It's only futuristic if you haven't been there. I am eternal. I don't like the guy, but he's got a point. Oh, Robot. Um, yeah, I think we're back on track now. I think that's how so, that works. Brent, uh, do you ever get the feeling that we, we we feel like we're the ones in charge, but we're the, actually the ones being controlled? I, I mean, we you can, sound like my wife know, talking you know to he me. Succeeded in do there? you feel like you're in charge? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no. Do you know what he succeeded in there? In doing there, he got us to stop talking about it and get on with tonight's well, topic. Well, it's an important topic, John, because I'm gonna, I'm going to set you up for it. The okay. names set me up. The names Churchill. Jack Churchill. Well, actually, it's John Malcolm Thorpe Fleming Churchill, but, you know, Jack <laughs> for short. That is a very British name. John Malcolm Thorpe Fleming Churchill. <laughs> Whatever you call him, though. Yeah, I think you said this earlier. I've already forgotten because we bantered for a long time. We got a certified badass on our hands this week, John. 
Yeah, and and by the way, when you're given that name, uh, they literally give you a pack of skinny cigarettes when you're born. Uh, it just comes along with it, uh, along with a double-breasted suit of some type um, that you will wear no matter what era we are in. Mm, yes, yes. Anyway, uh, yeah, man, he is a badass, uh, and uh, it, it's he's a British soldier from the World War II area. And, era. And while there's no- <laughs> well, he was in the World War II area also. <laughs> The the World War II era, area, all of the above. And while there's no actual conspiracy here, the story is kind of so wild, kind of like Robert Smalls when we did him. Oh, fuck, we're going to get letters. There's a story that we we really wanted to do. Also, a special shout out to Hysteria Nation member Kyle Martin for the suggestion. He sounds awesome. (laughs) Are you literally just saying that because of the name? Cheese muffins. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, John, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's kind of a Robert Smalls episode. Though I bet we don't get near the hate mail for doing this one. I can't put my finger on the reason. I'm not quite <laughs> sure, but I just True. don't think we're going to get the hate mail that we got after we did the Robert Johnson cool military story. Robert Smalls, you mean? No, the Robert Johnson one where he played the devil in a duel. <laughs> <laughs> Keep up, John. You remember yeah. all the episodes. God, you, you don't done. even pay attention, do you? <laughs> To, all right, so to start the tale, Brent, of Mad Jack, I'm going to give you one of his most well-known quotes. Any officer who goes into action without his sword is improperly dressed. <laughs> and and listen, that would seem completely reasonable uh, in the 1340s, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. The difference here is that he said it in the 1940s, you know, when everybody else was using guns, grenades, cannons, etc. Nuclear weapons. No. <laughs> Well, kind of, but <laughs> I mean, while, not while true, not pertinent to this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that just kind of though it, it scratches the surface of how kind of a batshit badass, batshit crazy. They kind of go hand in hand. Let's why don't we start? You give us a little history on this guy because we got to set the mood for him, John. Mm, turn the lights down low. <laughs> let's get let's get it going. <laughs> so Jack <laughs> was born. <laughs> Okay, I'll stop. Uh, he was born in Colombo, British Ceylon, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's because it's not currently a country anymore. It is now known as Colombo, Sri Lanka. So he was born in Sri Lanka, but his he, obviously his family's British. His family was from Oxfordshire. And yeah, yeah. Uh, care to guess what country that name comes from? <laughs> <laughs> Oxfordshire, Mexico? <laughs> I don't think so. You are incorrect, sir. To your point, they were from England, but they lived in Asia for his father's work. And and they would go back and forth between Asia and England uh, multiple times until around 1910, they moved to Hong Kong. If you remember, uh, back then, uh, Hong Kong was also a British uh, colony or protectorate or whatever the hell they called it. God knows I remember. Um, Which, yeah, yeah, he remembers it. (laughs) Yeah, though they well, this was part of the British Empire when they oh, yeah. they still hadn't uh, decided maybe we shouldn't try to own the world. Maybe. Yeah, the the that, the the relationship perhaps uh, hadn't gotten as acrimonious as it would later in years. But uh, so, it, or perhaps it was, and I I don't know, I wasn't around back then. But uh, his dad was working for the British government. He was named Director of Public Works in Hong Kong in 1910. And so they, they lived there. They grew up there. And they returned to England seven years later in 1917. That is a lot of traveling. I'll just decide, like all over. Uh, for such a young person, you really develop sensibilities of what it means to be a world traveler. Mm-hmm. Though you are steeped in British culture, I'm sure that's still a really cool thing. 
Oh, it's it's a lot different than the person who never left the village that they grew up in Oxfordshire. Yeah, well, that's why the village has so many people there that are specialists in what they do. There's the guy in the village who's a biker. There's a guy in the village who's a construction worker. There's a guy in the village who's an Indian chief. There's a guy in the village who's a cop. (laughs) Do you think they can sing? (laughs) What did you say? Do you think they can sing? <laughs> I, you know what? I bet that they get it together at one of the community centers, like a um, YMCA, maybe, and probably work on things like that. <laughs> I wrung the last drop out of that one. All right. So, so Jack did have two brothers, uh, Thomas and Robert, who would also fight in World War II for the British Army and also achieve fame in their own right for some of their own exploits. But... Uh, but we're not here to talk about them. We're here to talk about Jack. And some say his time in Asia is also where he got his first taste of adventure. Uh, he would he would explore the hinterlands surrounding the city. Oh, yes. The hinterlands. Yeah, that's, you know, where he... I think, I feel like he comments that way when he doesn't know what a word means. <laughs> oh, yes. The dumbass. <laughs> oh... I give up. All right. So, uh, so he he also was a big fan of the of the military life that that he saw from afar. And then he went on to uh, he went on to go to school uh, after attending uh, the Williams College. Uh, he in, which it, they I believe those crazy Brits actually called high school college back then, mm. uh, or maybe still dual. I don't know. They, uh, t- trying to track what they mean by college and university is is for dumb is too hard for this <laughs> dumb American brain of mine. Um, but he he got done with Williams College and he went on to the Royal Military College in Sandhurst. Yep. So uh, regardless of of whether one was college and high school and whatever else, uh, the reality is he graduated from a military college in 1926. Yeah. So boom. So begins a long and storied military career. Mm-hmm. It almost rivals my own. Almost, but not quite. Almost. Yeah, in 26, he was actually commissioned into the 2nd Battalion, the Manchester Regiment. Um, not the Manchester United, slightly different and less violent. And uh, <laughs> off he goes to join his brochachos in Burma. Burma's war zone. Thank you for the hot tip there, <laughs> Sylvester. It's also not even the, uh, what's it, Myanmar now? It's not even a, a country anymore. But uh, thank you. Thank you, Sly. Well, I guess we, it, yeah, it's Myanmar, but I guess we know why it's no longer Burma. It was a war zone. war zone. So while in uh, the former Burma, a few different things happened that would shape his storied military career. And I think storied is one of the easiest things to say when it's this guy. But anyway, he discovers love for motorcycles. It's kind of cool. He's said to have drove a Zenith uh, 1,500 miles across the country. And get this, at one point, he hit something. What did he hit, John? Oh, you know, just a water buffalo. <laughs> As you do. Yeah, I, it, yeah. I came out of nowhere. <laughs> you know. Continuing continuing the random stories from his Bur- Burmese ex- escapades on a motorcycle, uh, he... Uh, he went on to uh, when he was going across the countryside, he would occasionally find chasms and such that had uh, or rivers that had bridges over them. And the bridges, you know, the, the infrastructure wasn't the same as it is possibly is today. Uh, the bridges were just for trains and he was on a motorcycle. Well, he'd go anyway. He would walk the bike on the rail and put his own feet on the planks and and keep in mind that in between rail planks on a old bridge yeah. the, is 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 just air 
Like there's no there's no platform under that. It is it is metal rail and every other plank. Well, if you remember right, that's where he dropped his comb that he was carried in case in case the reporters wanted to uh, to talk to him after you know he was done. And thus ends the story. Church. It was right after he had to pull a leech off his pecker, so it was a hard day for him. <laughs> so uh, also while in Burma, Brent, he learned to play the bagpipes, which comes up later in the story. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he learned from the pipe major of the Cameron Highlanders. <laughs> that is just, who taught, you to like pay, you who taught you to play the bagpipes major of the Cameron Highlanders? That that checks. That checks out. Connor McLeod, son of McLeod. Yeah. He was born 400 years ago in the Highlands of Scotland. <laughs> you had Jack McLeod, the Clan McLeod. <laughs> then, then kind of a neat thing, a cooler named Dalton taught him how to rip a man's throat out with one hand while I was in Burma, too. So that's that's kind of a cool thing as well. And uh, I, Oh, and finally, mm, no, just keep going. Mm. That's fine. It's true. Don't look into it. He was awarded his first of many service medals, the Indian General Service Medal with Burma Clasp. Luckily, a shot of penicillin will clear up the Burma Clasp in no time. <laughs> Allegedly. I'm allergic to penicillin. So, wait, I shouldn't say that because then people will be sending me like penicillin shit in the mail. Everything bad said about this show in the past, about how we're pedantic, about how we're juvenile and, you know, low hanging fruit, dick and fart jokes. They're all right. Every one of them. Someone Every, asked uh, me recently, what do you do for a living? And I said, I tell dick and fart jokes about aliens and ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I've ever been more understood than uh, when I understood <laughs> myself right then and there. I, I feel like I'm, I'm making an imprint on society. <laughs> anyway, a mushroom imprint as but, you were, uh, sir, go on. All right. So he finished up his time in Burma and returned home to England where he found military life to be quite dull. Yeah. Well, you know, no fighting, no war, no water buffalo to ram into. Dalton is gone. <laughs> it's it's not a fun place to be anymore. So so literally not because he hated it, not because he found it was too difficult, more like he found it was too easy and it was boring. He left the military in 1936. He's said to have worked as a both a newspaper editor in Kenya and as a male model as well, uh, though we couldn't find confirm- confirmation on the male model <laughs> part, but uh, those are the two roles that he was said to have had after he left uh, 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 the military. And then, then he got his big break. He got into showbiz. Yeah, they really liked his male modeling. He had La Tigra and Blue Steel and all these <laughs> looks. They're like, we need to put you in this new thing called moving pictures. Moving pictures. Well, so he had already had one small role in a moving picture while he was still in the military. Um, he had been a, a, I guess, a cameo part in 1924's The Thief of Baghdad. <laughs> and then, uh, but but that that was that was while he was still in the military. And then now we're talking about after he left the military, he went on to have another role uh, in a film called A Yank at Oxford. That sounds like a no, no, nope. uh, uh-uh. nope. Stop it right there. Like a really fun movie. <laughs> a fun movie. Let's all go rent it. Stop uh, it. It's also worth, it's also worth noting. Uh, this is the first callback to the bagpipe stuff. He took second place in a 1938 military bagpipe competition at the Aldershot Tattoo. Whoa. Which I believe was right next to the uh, Scum and Villainy Cantina. Oh, I thought it was right next to De Plain, De Plain. So that's just me. <laughs> See, they're just they're just rolling out today. You are they are man. You're in in luck. I and and you know what? We're on completely different wavelengths. I'm I'm like Star Wars all day, and you're. 
I once won second place in a beauty contest and got ten dollars, but then I <laughs> I landed on Baltic Avenue and lost it all. I took a chance. Hey. <laughs> also, not to be outdone with this, though, John, we're talking about his achievements. In 1939, he represented England at the World Archery Championships in Oslo. That's in Norway if you're playing along at home. So, so far, he is ex-military, he can play the pipes like no one's business, and he's one hell of an archer. Actor, That's a- actor, water buffalo enthusiast, <laughs> cooler at the double deuce. And uh, uh, I guess part-time stunt coordinator? I don't know. Whatever anyway. you do. That's a nice little appetizer on old Mad Jack, but when we get back, it's time for World War II. You know, the place for Forward swords yeah, yeah. and longbows and bagpipes. Well, according to Jack, it was. <laughs> anyway, that's after the break on Hysteria 51. I was a war zone. Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor and we use it. Rosetta Stone, they're the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. (laughs) I definitely use it. I I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. (laughs) It's like, what are you trying to do? Do it right. (laughs) Uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm-hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips. You need language in life. You need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else. Somewhere, you know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you. <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that. And there is a 50% offer, so it is a steal. So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, a today. Uh, 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 World War II, John, tell us. So th- to this point. That's how, that's called he- directing right there. I mean, it, it really, it really fine work. Cut. Fine work. Give okay. me a stand in for him. No. Keep going. It's like it's like uh, you're the uh, you're the foreman on the job site, just sitting there drinking the coffee. You guys, yeah, uh, put, put a little more back into that one. You guys need to get this done early today. I've got a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to this point in the story, our hero has been fulfilling his wanderlust. He joined the military. He got bored. He modeled. He acted. He learned archery and the bagpipes, and both went well enough to even compete. In elite, elite contests. Yeah, yeah. So what, what in the world could be next? WW2. That's what's next. That's right. 
um, he was probably wondering the same thing. And then in 1939, uh, uh, this this country uh, you but we all know called Germany invaded this other country we all know called Poland, and uh, a thing happened. A, a world war of sorts broke out. People say he was literally excited at the prospect of war. It's kind of a right, crazy like, thing to like, say. Oh shit! Some you know. A, Bad guys invaded good guys that yeah. we're friends with. I, I still have ties to the military. Let's do this thing. So he picks up his commission back as part of the British Expeditionary Force to France. This is where it kind of gets interesting because it hasn't been interesting already. <laughs> Jack yeah. was known literally to carry said longbow with him on raids and patrols. He was skilled with it, as we know. Like you said, he's, he's competing with it. He thought it an extraordinarily effective weapon in skilled hands. That's what they had, that he had said. It wound up coming in handy uh, when he his company was trapped after a battle. John, you want to take the name of it? We got it written down here in the notes. Uh, Le Epinette. Yeah, uh, it looks French. And uh, this one I'm gonna go. What with. happened there? He is said to have killed an approaching Nazi soldier with said longbow, uh, both signaling his company's attack and registering the only known kill of World War II by way of longbow. Only known kill. I had several. Right. So anyway, mm -hmm. uh, during the fight, he was shot in the shoulder, but that didn't stop him from shooting back with uh, a Kimbo machine gun. Actually, the research says two machine guns, but, you know, <laughs> who's to shit on a good story? I like story? to think they were a Kimbo. Yeah. I mean, you can't prove they weren't. Yeah. So regardless, uh, dual wielding uh, bastard gets uh, his compatriots to safety with said bullet wound in his shoulder. That's pretty badass. After killing someone with a with a longbow, outmatched and undergunned, and fights his way to safety and saves them all. After serving the British uh, Expeditionary Forces, old Mad Jack volunteered for the Commandos, as you do, a special force division dedicated to carrying out raids against German occupied areas of of Europe, like going in and raiding them. This wasn't surprising, Brent, because. He he had a reputation already as as just a normal member of the British Ex Expeditionary Force for using guerrilla tactics for for staging raids and and even earning a bunch of commendations for bravery. Mm -hmm. So yeah. like the idea of the way this commando unit would be set up and how they would how they would go to war and how they would uh, expedite uh, battles uh, was was wheelhouse for him. And so as a commando, now he's got a little bit more leeway here. And he's earned even more of a, a badass reputation because he said to have been known for charging into battle with his sword, playing the bagpipes, and throwing grenades. Because reasons, folks. Reasons. That's just what you do in WW2. And there are photos online that you can go find right now. You can at least see a version of Mad Jack storming a beach with his sword in the air. Now, the one that they show, if you look him up on Wikipedia... The one they show there, they say, is from a training exercise. Yeah. But there are there are multiple videos, multiple photos uh, of of this crazy fuck running, <laughs> running the wrong direction, or I mean, running the right direction, I suppose, depending on your perspective, with a sword. There's actually pictures of John storming a beach with his sword out, but he's no longer allowed in the French Riviera because of that. <laughs> no, 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 it's the Dutch side of Saint Martin <laughs> that I'm no longer. Okay, just get it right. Churchill went on to be second in command of what was titled the number three commando in Operation Archery, a raid on a German garrison at, uh, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, it's a city in Norway, Vagzoy? Uh, Vagzoy? There are ampersands and a, a niner in there and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. 
<laughs> various accents. Yeah. Anyway, it's a place in Norway. In December 1941, as the ramps fell on the first landing craft, he leapt forward from his position. <laughs> he said, <laughs> mar- March of the Cameron men on his bagpipes before throwing a grenade and charging into battle. Yeah. So for his actions at both Dunkirk and uh, aforementioned Norwegian city, he received the military cross and bar, which is a big deal. I've got balls of steel. That checks out. <laughs> I do imagine he probably sounded, I, I want to imagine he sounded like the British version of, or a version of British Duke Nukem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to give it a shot. I can't. I can't even begin. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Anyway. So then, yeah, by 43, uh, he's in Italy, Italy and leading uh, the two commando. So another, he's leading yeah. now. He's no longer. Uh, he's not he's number no two and number three. He's yeah. number one and number two. Figure that one out. And he led them from their landing site in uh, at Catania in Sicily with his trademark claymar on his hip, longbow, arrows around his neck, and his bagpipes under his arm, which he also did uh, landing at Salerno. That is in Italy, not the Salerno's pizza all around Chicago that Lisa and I love so much. Mm, mm. And, you know, I was wondering, I was wondering which one you meant. Right. If he had landed at, at Salerno, Italy during World War II. Or if it had been a fast food pizza place in the Chicagoland uh, area. It's a sit-down um, restaurant. Thank you very much. Don't call uh, it fast okay. food. You know, okay, I'll give you QSR, uh, quick service restaurant. It's the best. Uh, they have it, they have uh, large gathering areas in there. What are the, the what, Why am I blanking on that word? <laughs> <What's> the, <laughs> because can, we haven't used them for two I fucking know. years. <laughs> I'm just going to go out and lick things. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Once in Salerno, Brent, he was ordered to capture a German observation post. And you know what he did? He, he collected his entire garrison. Oh, wait. No, no, he didn't. Yeah. He took one dude with him. Literally two dudes total against an outpost. Carry my dick if it gets too heavy. You're coming with me, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Slinging one ball over each shoulder. And, you know, he thought no problem. So he infiltrates the town, captures the post, and takes 40 Two Nazi prisoners. <laughs> We're having kraut tonight, boys. <laughs> and the, here's the best part of this story. Uh, allegedly, supposedly, according to lore, according to legend, according to every the re- piece of research we could find, he did this all with his claymore as his primary weapon. He took 42 Nazis with a sword. Now, of course, military stories do get tend to become tall tales but at least some of this has to be true which is really cool the way these things read it's like he definitely did this he definitely went and captured an outpost under man the question becomes did he actually just walk up with a sword and say you know get down on the ground or did they have a machine gun or pistol with them or they took two people and then took four people and then you know i I don't well the best part though i mean for regardless he said that once they had the prisoners and they were ready to move, he had the German prisoners push the carts carrying the wounded British soldiers that they had already captured there for themselves, bringing them back to him. Like we say, badass. And because he did this, he yeah, received like, the Distinguished Service Order for leading his actions at Salerno. Pretty I awesome. Love that. I mean, I love that. Like, like now we're not going to torture the soldiers, but they are going to literally carry our wounded because they wounded right. them. Later in the war, he's fighting in Yugoslavia and he's captured. And the story goes with this one. He's played the bagpipes. <laughs> he's one to do. <laughs> uh, and they say he was playing Will You No Come Back Again. Anyway, instead of the grenade landing next to him, blasts are close to him. He knocks him out. So when he comes to, he's been captured by the Nazis, and he's sent to um, Schossenhausen concentration camp. 
And I believe that's how you say it. I'm not, I, hopefully I am saying that right. Uh, no problem though. What do you do if you're captured by Nazis and your name is Mad Jack? Well, you escape. Not once, <laughs> because the capture again, you do it twice. So just days after being captured, Churchill and the other army officer crawled under the wire fence and went on an abandoned drain, much like Andy Dufresne, to come out clean yes. on the other side. They even managed to make it all the way to the Baltic coast on foot before being picked up uh, by the city of Rostock. Well, no, 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 that, that's a that's that's a typo. Um, they actually made it across the Atlantic all the way down to Zewantanejo. Oh, that's where they worked on that old abandoned boat together, right? The boat, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're polishing the shit out of it. Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, they were, uh, he managed to escape again and walked across the Brenner Pass to Italy where he met some American soldiers. So yeah, he got recaptured, he walked right the fuck back out of the next one and uh, went and found some American soldiers and was good to yeah. go. So you might think he'd be done with fighting, given all of that, you know, and being a prisoner of war twice. Now he's ready to go again. And in 44, he's sent to, well, Burma because it's a war zone. <laughs> Burma's war zone. <laughs> That's where it all started. <laughs> to get in the Pacific side of the war. But by the time he got there, Hiroshima and Nagasaki had just been bombed. So it was a foregone conclusion in Europe. Uh, what was going to, you know, uh, uh, the, the allies, can, uh, you know, descended upon Berlin from all sides and it was over. Right. But when that happened, everyone forgets that like the World War II just didn't end there. Japan was still at, still getting after it and would not surrender. And so uh, the Americans dropped bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And uh, that was right around the time that he arrived from the West. He's like, well, there's no more war in Europe. Let's go to let's go to uh, the Pacific Theater and see what we can get after. And he gets there and they drop those bombs. And he's quoted as saying, if it wasn't for those damn Yanks, we could have kept the war going for another 10 years. Dude's got fucking issues. Uh, I mean, serious serious issues. Uh, Mad Jack is an appropriate title. (laughs) Very, very appropriate in one way, shape or form. So, John, that's kind of the end of World War II for him, but it's not the end of of our hero story, hero, crazy man story. Uh, What does Mad Jack do when there's no war to wage? Well, that's coming up after the break on Hysteria 51. I'll tell you what, he works on his bagpiping routines. And his archery skills. I mean, you shoot an arrow, then you need to be able to shoot the second arrow into the middle of the first arrow and split it. So here's the question, Brent. Salerno's extra cheese, pepperoni, sausage, garlic, and basil. Thank you. Oh, I no, when I ordered there, I just asked for the Mad Jack special. <laughs> It's a it's a shot of piss and a set of bagpipes. It's cobra. It's that weird booze that's got like a cobra in it and uh, a kick in the nuts. I don't know. I mean, keep going. It, you, you'll you'll hit on I'm, one eventually. I, I'm I'm hitting on all of them, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so the quite hey, listen before we get on to what he did with the rest of his life. We've told you much of his exploits, but the question is: Was Mad Jack actually mad? And and listen, we we were the first to call this not the first, but well, I don't know if he's first I don't know if he's mad, John, but his prices were insane. Wait, no, that's the uh, that, that's the dude with the the ants in his eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The, my Joe, if you don't, it, I hope you watch Rick and Marty. People, keep going, John. Sorry about that. Yeah, I hope you do too. I hope you do too. So uh, we 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 are the first to say this guy's a badass, mm. certified badass. 
that doesn't mean he wasn't also psychotic, right? Like both are possible. Uh, they're not mutually Paging exclusive. Bruce Wayne. Look at that guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, same uh, difference. It's certainly possible also that a modicum of his success in battle was rooted in the other side having more than one WTF moment or, or well, actually it'd be Nazis. So uh, VTF, um, <laughs> VTF Hans, what isn't Unt Unt Kalesi Blit doing? I'm, I, I'd shoot him, but what are those, are those fucking when you're, when you're, you know, breaching a beach. Yeah, they don't expect the first guy to jump out and start playing bagpipes. And when it does, it's like, what <laughs> Carrying the a fuck sword. is going on? Exactly. So so I, I, a modicum of success could be attributed to that. Or at least, when I say success, not dying, mm -hmm. right? Also, when you consider his preference for kicking off a battle with a sword or a longbow, that might not be just hero shit, okay? There could be something else going on there. I think British weapons expert... And historian Mike Lodes might have said it best in a Vice article I read. He said, quote, shooting someone with a longbow as the overture to opening up with rifles doesn't suggest a specific advantage for using the longbow in that situation, but rather a macabre curiosity of using the situation to see what it was like to kill someone with a longbow. Right. Right. Of course, to the enemy, they were going to die either way, but I'm not entirely sure that this is as clear-cut honorable boy's adventure story as it first appears to be. It is one of those things where you're just like, I wonder what it's like to stab a man with a sword. Well, if I join the army, I can probably figure it out. I mean, there was a, probably a reason he's the only known person to, to register a kill with a longbow. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, listen, the same can be said uh, about the quote we mentioned before the break. That one hit a little ugh to me, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't for those damn Yanks, we could have kept the war going for another 10 years. I mean, while on the surface, he's sounding like a badass, like he's just I mean, not scared of all this so shit. was so good for the world. Everyone was loving it so much. <laughs> when you when, think about this, when you consider that someone who has seen the horror of war up close and personal for over half a decade, maybe even more. And then can turn around and say, I wish this would go on for another 10 years has been and has been a prisoner of war, has killed people, has seen his friends die, has been shot himself. And all that said, says, wish we could keep this thing going for another 10 years. That might suggest a bit of an unhinged aspect to his personality. If I had to pick the type of instrument that person probably plays, bagpipe would be in my first two or three guesses. <laughs> accordion then bagpipe then piccolo i mean literally though this is all just conjecture you know he truly was a contradiction in many respects if for example he was so keen to watch german design various ways why didn't he take and kill the prisoners of war why did he bring them in or even better look at his post-war antics they he lived a very common ish less violent life so if it really was this bloodthirst well, then was he the world's best serial killer back in the day? And we just don't know. Oh, shit. Now it's a twofer. He was he was uh, he was the Dexter of the of the British yeah, Expeditionary yeah. Force. Well, talking about he those. Though, tell us about his post-war hijinks. Sean, what do you do? I don't know if it was common. It was certainly less violent. Yeah. Um, in order to continue his his adventurer uh, lifestyle, I guess you could call it. He got qualified as a parachutist. Because he hadn't risked his life enough yet. Uh, and he joined the Highland Light Infantry, moving to British-occupied Palestine to train with the army against the Arab forces. And while there, listen he listen to this, he coordinated rescue efforts and evacuation efforts for civilians and Jewish citizens who were under attack. Yeah. 
Uh, he even did things like protect a, a, a medical convoy and evacuated Jewish doctors during the violence surrounding the formation of Israel. Yeah, as, like awesome shit. People... Like, and, and he's not just out killing, he's protecting lives. And no comment on the, the current uh, horrible situation in the Middle East, but Israel was first created as a nation uh, after post-World War II, and, and uh, obviously a lot of military were involved in that. At the time, he was, uh, we're, not, we're not commenting on the politics of it, but we are saying that there were civilians that were dying, and he was there pulling them out. He wasn't for there For better shooting or them. worse, that's a uh, definite discussion for another day that doesn't have anything to do with this. Yeah. Right, right. So he got all of that out of his system and he left active military life altogether. He moved to Australia, uh, where he remained a military instructor just out of school to pay the bills, but he spent all of his off time surfing. That's Brent. a weird thing to like I and now I enjoy surfing. Yeah, he went he went straight Don Draper, you know? Like it's, I'm just, when he could have went straight Bodie from uh uh what was that? Keanu Reeves movie where he oh point yeah, break. where he's just like killing people and uh, you yeah. know to pay for his uh, surfing you know by robbing banks so I'm glad he went Don Draper and it wasn't just the adrenaline rush he even went back to England and designed his own surfboards he like was really into it and and okay so I'm about to say a sentence that I don't know what it means but I'm going to go ahead and give it to you all he allegedly surfed the five foot tidal bore of the River Severn. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it sounds impressive. Bruh, I was like, oh, and it banked up on me, and I was like, Chaw, man, and it came in all flush like, and I was like, bro, that is another quote from him. Did you just sneak flashlight into there? Flashlight. <laughs> I thought I heard. Are you looking around the room anyway. and just naming things again, John? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he did uh, give that up eventually. He spent his golden years sailing ships with his wife on the river tames and raising a family uh at home according to his son he was a peace-loving and unassuming man and here's a quote people are less likely to shoot you if you smile at them uh that was another one of his favorite sayings so go figure that out yeah, not the son him according to the son he said yeah that. that's yeah and uh, another contradiction he died in 1996 at the age of 89 allegedly now, there is no one can refuting that. I just like to say that. <laughs> I do think, I, I do, you know, the things that could be debated about this story aside, the most amazing part of this story is that given everything that we told you, this guy lived to be 89 years old. Right, right, right. I mean, how many bullets have to be shot at you when you're carrying a sword over bagpipes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And for you to live and to actually get shot and to be a POW and then in you know your second life, uh, not this time even mentioning all the adventures in Burma mm -hmm. and water buffalo hitting a water buffalo. Adventures in Burma a is year. either a poor. I don't know what that would be, but that's a movie <laughs> or a future episode. And then then after all of that, to take up surfing and and apparently do some challenging things with the surfboard mm -hmm. and you know like plenty of people die doing that too. You know, it's for the, I mean, this guy was a certified badass, but the, you know, you know I, I, we'll leave it to you to be the judge, dear listener, as to if he was a uh, psychopath. Right. Right. Right now. Let us know. <laughs> uh, how could they let us know? Because we're not psychic, John. We are not psychic this week, at least. <laughs> but for Go a nominal on. fee. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have the back of the Seabot comic book? Because in the back of that comic book, okay. Um, uh, no, but uh, they can go on Hysteria Nation, Brent. It's our Facebook discussion group. 
It's where we talk about things like Mad Jack, because guess what? This literally came from that group as a suggestion from Kyle Martin. So thank you, Kyle. And if you are not in Hysteria Nation, just go to Facebook, search Hysteria Nation, join on up, and let the conversation carry you away. Like Calgon. And while you're on Facebook, hop on Facebook.com slash Hysteria51pod. That is our regular page. Patreon. Patreon.com slash Hysteria51. You can find extra episodes up all nights. All sorts of cafeteria, 51's early, mad blurry hysterias, and you can host your own show. we got a couple more people that are going to be doing that here very soon. Uh, that's, here's a push on them. Give me your topics. Get them to me. We're ready. Voicemail, 773-669-7277. Again, 773-669-7277. Tweet to us, at Hysteria51Pod. I'm at the Brent Hand. He is at GoFoLite1, G-O-F-O-L-I-T-E-1. We'd love to hear from you. Forget any of these links. You can find them all at, what's the place, John? GoFopedia.com. And Hysteria. Oh, you Well, that works, too. Hysteria. And Hysteria51.com. Tell a friend about the show. Tell a friend about Mad Jack. Have a conversation. Find out if they know any Claymore-carrying badasses who played bagpipes and shot longbows. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Who knows? So, with that said, I... Are you Luke Skywalker? No, I'm Brent Hand. I've got something for you. A letter. Okay. Dear Brent, my calculations are correct. You should receive this letter at the exact moment the podcast ends. I've been living happily for the past six months in the year 1885. The pandemic that... Uh, 1885? Peck's alive! John! John Pecker's alive! I mean, he's in the Old West. It's a fucked up reason, but he's alive! It was terrible! It was just terrible! I'll never get over it as long as I live! That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.